Hey guys, this is Byron. Uh, welcome back to the Empower Podcast. Uh, we have a really uh, exciting guest for you guys today. His name is Jacob Freeland. Um, he's a game designer, um, generalist, and a programmer. And um, yeah, so he'll be kind of giving you guys some tips on how to really solidify your documents and how to get best present yourself in an interview and um, basically how to gather your thoughts in, in game design. And uh, I just like to give you guys a little heads up. Um, we do use a lot of uh, visual aids on this episode, so um, we do also stream our podcast live every Sunday, 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific, on Twitch.tv forward slash EmpowerUp, all lowercase in one word. So yeah, if you'd like to see the video that goes along with this, we keep each video up for a week um, before we put up the next one. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the, uh, I don't know, episode like number six, seven, eight of the Empower Up podcast. Uh, this is, so please bear with us. This is our, you know, we're just getting into this and we haven't even started. Well, I haven't even started keeping track of all of the, the details, but uh, we have another amazing guest, Mr. Jacob. Jacob oh, is a uh, Someone that we that I have personally met through, uh, I believe we met originally through a game jam, uh, the San Diego game jam through the IGDA, and uh, I'm just going to let Jacob kind of introduce himself to uh, to the audience. Yeah, hey, I'm Jacob. I'm kind of like a video game generalist. I got like my degree in music composition, but my job right now is at a company called Creativo. Uh, I'm an engineer there, um, and also I've done a whole bunch of like design and stuff in the past. I play a lot of D and D. You know all the video game staples. Um, so I think we're here to talk about design today. I'm I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right um, on. And just for a quick note for you guys, um, Jacob's a good friend of mine. We actually went to school together. Um, we graduated with basically the same degree. Worked together for a couple of years too. So um, yeah, we're, we're pretty good friends. I figured uh, he's always talking about his game design documents and stuff like that. And I asked him to prepare some stuff ahead of time and. Uh, yeah, so I guess we can just go from there. <clears throat> right on. So really quick, um, Jacob, would you mind telling us about your journey? Like out of all the things you could be doing right now, like how'd you end up where you are today? It's been a really wild trip, you know? I, all throughout my childhood, I was playing video games, but I was always like the music nerd, like the, the kid who's going to be the music professor when he grows up, you know, aspiring to do something somewhat lame like that, but it's, it was, it was really important to me. Um, and then I went to SDSU and, you know, in high school, I met some game developers and kind of discovered like, oh man, uh, you can make video games. It's not like this super distant concept. Like I always imagined it. Um, and I discovered, Hey, also I kind of like programming. I'm into that. Um, so, uh, I was one of, I guess the founders, you would say of, um, a club at SDSU called the Aztec Game Lab which Byron and I know each other through, also through our degree at SDSU. Um, and, and the Backdoor I'm, Studio. And the Backdoor Studio, a future job that I had. Um, and uh, it was just like a really cool opportunity to, to surround myself with people that were way better than me at the things that I wanted to do, you know? And the same thing through the um, IGDA meetups and stuff like that, and through game jams in general, um, where I met Steve, of course. Some, you know, just... Just four or five years ago, no basement or yeah. something like that, yeah. Um, and so then, you know, I kind of pivoted toward the uh, engineer sort of position. I applied around after I got my degree, and uh, now I'm a programmer. 
Um, and in the meantime, you know, I kind of, I work on my own projects. I really like, you know, creating like a whole cohesive game. Um, that, that's what I'm most passionate about, aside from just the nitty gritty of programming or whatever. Right on. And it, it seems like you've taken um, so many different kind of uh, pivot points in your career already. So from music to programming to design, like, could you walk us through a little bit? Like, what was, what were the challenges that you overcome and how did you decide to make those pivots? Yeah, uh, originally from music to programming, you know, I was, I was composing music for game developers because I thought, oh, that's super cool. Um, I want to like be somewhere near that. And so just, you know, like little amateur, like high schoolers. Uh, and then um, I just, got interested in talking to people and I met some friends and as I'm sure you know when you make friends with someone you suddenly become really passionate about like the things that they're interested in um and so I was asking all the questions trying to you know trying to learn trying to better myself or or understand what the heck was going on behind the scenes so that was a really kind of a gradual transition between the music and the engineering but um the design is actually you know it kind of it dates back way back you know when you're a kid you're making stuff up you're trying to invent a world to get rid of the boredom. Um, and so that's just been kind of like coasting on for a while and then ramping up over the past few years. Like, uh, you know, I'm putting together things that I'm actually like, you know, decently proud of. I feel like are, are representable. Um, and so really kind of flipping the switch from music to programming was really difficult, but from anything to design is, is much easier, I'm finding. Um, just because it's, it's kind of in the background of your mind at all times, you know? So um, for me personally, sounds a big part of what I do. I do some programming as well, but I'm sure like for you too, right? You'll notice the music or the sound when you're in the game, right? But you must also pay close attention to some of the design choices that they make. Can you kind of go into like some of the uh, games where that kind of thing has uh, stood out to you? Yeah, well, I'm like an immense Dark Souls fanboy, <laughs> and also I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, of like the Metroidvania type of things, and so I love those like sort of interconnected worlds, and um, more than just like the placement of enemies and the placement of buildings, uh, it you know design in those games is about you know why are things the way they are and where they are and how do you kind of make like an existing real world of you know, real ideas, like here's a chapel, here's a dungeon or something. And then how do you incorporate that into a level that becomes playable to other people? Um, and so, yeah, like just playing game after game, <laughs> it's, I didn't expect it to be not a waste of my time. To be honest, I always thought like, <laughs> oh God, I'm just, I'm playing video games. What am I doing here? I'm obsessing over like, you know, uh, like some item randomizer in, in like a, uh, ocarina of time or something and mm. suddenly all that like sort of clicks together you know once you get it into practice um that's that's definitely where i've drawn my inspiration from was all those childhood games that i was obsessed with <laughs> that's really cool i've noticed that for myself um it's almost like not having to do research when you've played games so much growing up <laughs> and it's just it's such a really satisfying feeling because i don't know about you but uh, every once in a while, my parents, my grandmother would, uh, you know, say, hey, what are you doing just playing video games all day? You can't get paid doing that. But now it's indisputable. You can't get paid. Well, you can do hey, esports. Yeah. Be responsible, kids. You know, do your homework, but but play some video games, too. Uh, you know? <laughs> who, do, who do you homework? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. See, I one think... of the... Go ahead. 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. <laughs> so I, one, I, one I, of the I, things that I absolutely love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. One of the things I absolutely love is, is understanding that you can take the things that you're passionate about and really dissect them. And when you understand that everything that you play, everything that you're enjoying, it took people behind the scenes time and effort in order to make those things. And when you really understand like the, the mechanics behind it, then you can understand that, oh my goodness, like how can I take my skills and use these to actually contribute to these amazing pieces of work? Um, and, and that's why I love just kind of getting your insight and your perspective because I know you have your own personal expertise and the, the different flavors that you can add to these gaming experiences. And that's exactly what makes it awesome. And, and the cool thing is like being a, a gamer and investing so much time into these projects um, and then to see behind the scenes, like what are the processes? Like why is it that the designers made a decision to put this type of music or use this type of artwork? That's freaking awesome. And for me to be able to chat with you and, and kind of hear your, your, your feedback on this, it, it's super cool. So, so thank you for that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's everyone's pleasure here. <laughs> we're, we're all happy. But um, honestly, yeah, throughout the, the design experiences that I've had, you know, on the kind of like hobbyist or non-professional level, uh, a lot of it is just talking to the people that are going to be experiencing, to the de experiencing the design too um, and figuring out like what, what makes them passionate. And so having people around that are like there to hear even what you're talking about, like a podcast like this or whatever, you know, mm. it's really, it's really uh, important to, to being a designer, I feel like. That's cool. And, you know, I, I'm kind of curious. Um, so we talked about this briefly before we started the podcast about the RPG. But just so you know, Steve, um, I've always kind of wanted to work on one. So I was actually working. I was teaching a, a student that I was tutoring a couple weeks ago. And I was like, okay, this is pretty easy. I've never worked on it. But then I started realizing all the things that you had to really consider while you were working on it. And I've started to see the value in really kind of writing down all of my ideas before I even start the coding or writing down the music. And so I'm curious kind of what steps you take or what do you do before you even get to that production process to make sure all of your ideas are in order? Yeah, no, that's a super good question. And uh, honestly, for me, my ideas are not always in order. <laughs> that's kind of like, that's a whole stage of the design process for me is ordering the ideas after <laughs> I've had them. Honestly, uh, you know, first and foremost, it's like, it's do a whole bunch of research. You know, if you mm -hmm. want to like make a little fan version of a game or like, like one of the examples that I have up, um, I wrote uh, an extension for like a Dungeons and Dragons rulebook that's just themed after the animated series Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and so as preparation for that, you know, I just watched a lot of Avatar The Last Airbender. I looked at all the wiki. I tried to figure out, you know, like, okay, what makes the existing design in this world tick? Um, and if you don't have like a design reference, if you're just making your own thing, then you kind of have to like go out to other games, have to go out to nature or whatever and look for inspiration in those directions. Um, so that's like just the gathering uh, period and like and like creating ideas. But mm -hmm. yeah, organizing those is definitely the whole you know next step, which is um, at least how I've found it in the past is it's kind of a, a puzzle on its own. Like if you're designing a puzzle game, making the puzzles is a puzzle, which is like kind of mind boggling. But yeah. uh, it's, I, I feel like that's at least a good way for me to like kind of self-motivate to like, okay, I have all these weird themes. I need to figure out a way to make them mesh together well in a way that like someone who hasn't heard me ramble for four hours on this topic 
can get the gist, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then like the last, so like first, you know, have your ideas, do your research and then fit them together and, and make like the more consolidated design. And then um, even aside of that, like if you've got your chicken scratch down perfectly, you, it's all designed wonderfully in your mind. You still have to present that to other people. You know, mm-hmm. you have to make it a, a palatable format for mm-hmm. them to mm-hmm. see. Um, and that was not something that I really expected at first. And that, that kind of, um, I, I figured that out, I guess, as part of my, uh, my engineering experience at my current company, Creativo, because I was writing design documents, or not design documents, um, technical documents about the stuff that I had programmed. And I realized, wow, this, if I read this, this would be nonsense. You know, this is, <laughs> this is not good. It needs, to, it needs to sound good. It needs to look good. People need to want to read it. Um, and that is a whole like kind of design challenge on its own as well is formatting everything in a way mm-hmm. that's digestible for other people. So your experience with programming, that must really help with design then, right? Um, I imagine it's pretty easy to come up with an idea, but understanding how that idea can be executed in like unity or whatever, right? You already kind of have that part down. Yeah. I mean, you know, with programming, once you get to a certain point, you can do most things. <laughs> there, there's, <laughs> There's all, all of the, all of your fundamentals are out of your, out of the way. And like, you still have to research the occasional like library or something, but you get to a point where you're, you're steady with what you know. Um, but uh, as far as estimating, like how long that takes or like which design path should I uh, choose to reduce development time? That's where all the like game jam experience has come into play. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a big, a big source of, uh, my ability to estimate my current tasks and my current designs uh, these days is just having to crunch out something tiny in a few days. Um, that's been really, you know, influential for me at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the programming uh, background does help also kind of inform the initial design because, uh, you know, if you, if you talk to like a really, I feel uh, maybe an amateur game developer, someone who's just getting into it, um, they have, very lofty ideas and you it's hard to tell which of those are achievable and which aren't for someone Mm -hmm. who's Mm -hmm. like working with a small team or something and then kind of a follow-up question to that like you and i we started out in music right so we've Mm -hmm. always kind of had something to offer in a game jam or development setting um and so how do you feel about like uh game design do you think that there's a path for game designers if they don't necessarily have a strong skill set to contribute to a project like music programming or art Um, no absolutely there's yeah there's there's a spot for game designers i there i've been you know on a few teams that could use certainly a lot more design i mean as long as you're kind of you know shooting to uh improve yourself as a designer and improve the ideas then it's it's kind of hard to go wrong you know uh maybe you you strike out once or twice but um certainly you know, having someone with the cohesive vision of things mm-hmm. really helps out. Um, as long as you're open to, you know, hearing all the opinions of the team that you're working on, um, whether they be just like opinions about, I don't like that idea, or it's something like, that's really hard to do in a short time period. Um, so I would say, yeah, if, if you're a designer, even if you don't have the technical skills, um, you shoot for the stars. <laughs> you know, if you're improving yourself, then people want you around. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So it sounds like it's important having someone that's specifically keeping all that stuff in mind then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Oh, man. Well, I know that um, you have some documents prepared for us. I'm all I'm yeah. curious about this. I've never really seen game design documents. So 
Do you feel comfortable sharing that with us? Yeah, I can share. Absolutely. Uh, let me share my screen here real quick. I've just thrown together like a smattering of all sorts of different things um, for us to look at. Just like, you know, it, a big part of my design experience has been uh, failing over and over again and <laughs> wasting my time on tiny things over and over again. Um, and eventually, you know, through that process, nicer uh, pieces simmer up to the top. So like here's, for example, a little design that I wrote for a card game. Um, it's pretty straightforward. You know, I have like a list of all the cards here at the bottom and I have a, a very condensed version of the rule set here in the center or on the first page. Um, this is definitely one of those examples where I realized, okay, I can design this for like a D&D session that I'm playing and maybe like the two people that care enough to play D&D with me are going to love it. But uh, unless I create like this presentable format where I can share it with other people and like receive good feedback, um, then it doesn't really mean anything that I've created it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I just added some little graphics. I am no artist by any <laughs> means, but, uh, you know, I, I try to... Uh, I try to improve the, the lesser skills that I have as well with some of these projects and get a better idea of like, if I'm telling someone to make something as a designer, what do they actually have to do to get that done? Um, and so it's, it's tedious and it takes a lot of effort, but um, that's like the, you know, the gist of, of what I wanted to show with this one. It's, you know, a so-so game, <laughs> Even despite all the effort I put into it. Um, it's kind of like, a, it's like three player, counter poker like you play cards to counter other cards it's it's mm -hmm. very simple um here's like a, a game jam that i worked on actually this is inspired by a game jam but um oh if it'll load here give me one second uh so this game was inspired by a game jam um mm -hmm. where i had an idea and it just didn't make the cutting floor you know it's probably not a great scope um but i still thought it was you know, it was worth following my gut on this one. And mm -hmm. so I made a little um, minimum viable product for it. It's like a symmetry-based puzzle game with these tiles. Um, and this was certainly like a, a learning experience about player experience for me because this was like a, an ace primo uh, genius design moment for me. But when you actually showed it to people, it was not intuitive at all. It was God. way too difficult. It was not... Like, I spent so much time making these... Uh, asymmetrical patterns that would only orient themselves correctly in one direction. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it was an idea that I just had to, to let go. Um, that was a pretty big, you know, it was an important moment for me to learn. Um, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, what, I made three of these puzzles. So what yeah, do you, what, so what do you do? Um, like, let's say you're starting the development process or the design process. Do you, try to get feedback often to see if it's intuitive or do you like set milestones to check, okay, does it work at this point or do you, um, does that make any sense? That's a good question. Yeah. And that's what I learned from this one too, is I need to get feedback early and take the feedback because this one, as I said, it didn't make the cutting block at the game jam. Mm -hmm. And that was for a reason, as I discovered, I just, it took me all this time to actually implement it and uh, create all the, um, the puzzles for it in order to understand that what those people were saying was correct, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I try and get feedback along the way, um, just cause kind of like as an aside, one of my like motivating factors is I always 
you know, I'm just uh, enthused by impressing people. Mm. Um, that's like, it's just something that, and so I, I do have that tendency to kind of like hold the project back and, and say to myself, oh no, I just want to, I want to show it when it's done and then people will see it and they'll be shocked and, and have the biggest wow factor. But at the end of the day, review uh, in like incremental stages throughout is, is really useful because you can get sidetracked into kind of like a, a misread design, um, mm. or at least that's been my experience where you have a core idea and it just doesn't connect at all. Mm-hmm. And then you've built everything up around it and you can be a really good designer for the last like 90% of mm-hmm. that design mm-hmm. process. But the first 10% was misaligned and then it all crumbles down. You know? Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. So those first ideas definitely are, are, are big. I mean, you were talking about an RPG working on um, that definitely like uh, the, the gameplay for those sorts of genres is pretty, uh, it's pretty cemented if you're talking about like a turn-based type thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's nice. You have mm-hmm. a, a good building block to work off of and something that's like in the mind of the player already. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, certainly for that sort of thing, you have to have the really good narrative building blocks too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, yeah. Okay. So, and so in regards to that, then like, let's say you have a core idea, people are really enjoying your prototype. Um, like, but let's say you're like, let's say you're like in an interview, right? Because our core audience is people maybe in college, kind of recently out and they're looking for jobs and mm-hmm. they don't have the, and their interviewer is going to skim over this in like six seconds. And I'm sure you can speak to this, Steve, right? Since you're a recruiter now, right? So h- how do you whittle down your 10 page design document and your like five minute gameplay video into like an elevator pitch that makes sense? <laughs> For the person that's interviewing you, like, let's say it's uh, HR, you know, uh-huh. before you get to the people who understand design. No, yeah, maybe Steve can give me some advice, too, here. We'll see. <laughs> that's actually that's actually such a, a good segue into my next thing, which is this um, this uh, extension for the D&D Player's Handbook that's mm-hmm. all, like, Avatar-themed. And this thing is like a beast. It's pages and pages, and I would never, for the life of me, expect an interviewer to actually <laughs> read through this nonsense. Like it's it's a, it's absurd. And in addition to that, you know, of course, I got to follow up with the monster manual, which is let me see here, like seventy pages or something. It's not even loading all the way. Um, and this is even despite this, though, you know, um, I think that at least for these. Uh, like sort of portfolio examples, I would definitely say that showing that you are putting the effort in mm-hmm. um, is in itself sort of a distilled statement. So they don't have to read through every aspect and like figure out if your design was actually good. Um, so long as they can see in your presentation and the quantity of work that like, for some of your portfolio pieces, at least not all of them, um, that you're really, uh, you're thinking a lot about what's going on. Um, then the flip side is you want to have a few of those pieces that they are, are really approachable to them. Um, and so that's why having like some little sort of game jam sort of things, uh, or here's a like uh, Mario Maker level that I made. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and I made this little viewer by splicing together all of the uh, individual frames from the level builder. It was a hassle. <laughs> How but, long um, did that take you? <laughs> Oh, don't even ask. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I made some, you know, fancy little uh, graphics to show the route that the player might take through, and even, you know, 
even if you don't care about design at all, you can look at this and say, oh man, um, this is something that they've, they've thought a lot about and they've got a, a very concrete, you know, sort of a example to, to work off of there. Um, and so like, you know, if I were like going to be applying around for a design position, then I would probably um, lean on a few of these smaller ones uh, that they actually can double check the design on, double check the, the feel on, um, and then have some backups of just, you know, the larger scope projects. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. Dude, uh, that is freaking awesome. Um, so like one of, one of the things that I absolutely love about this is that you are coming from the perspective of, you know, that you need to communicate your value to people that may, that may not necessarily know, like, what does it take to be a good designer? And I love like the fact that you put something like this together. Um, it, it really makes it easy for uh, s- uh, someone like me who doesn't have any design experience at all. It allows me to understand that you did put a lot of thought into this. And one of the things that you touched on before was being able to communicate to that, communicate this to somebody that doesn't have, you know, the background or the, or the technical understanding of what's going on. Um, this is one of the things that you can do that will really help give you a leg up on other people when they're applying for a job. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of times recruiters, when they're looking at a um, like a resume, one of the challenges is that they can't they can't really see how skilled you are as a designer if all they're looking at is bullet points on a resume. The the best thing that can be done is that they look at um, like what's the job experience, right? And the thing that a recruiter will look at is like, okay, well, have they done um, this type of work before for like a big company? So uh, something that sticks out a lot is big video game, uh, you know, names like PlayStation or Xbox or Square Enix or stuff like that. So that's something where a recruiter can see those experiences. Oh, this person has been a designer at Square Enix for three plus years. He must know something for him to, to survive there. So the challenge for somebody that doesn't have that type of company on their resume is like to show their actual competence and, and give examples of that. And a great way to do that is to be on a place like LinkedIn. So for example, if you took this video that you're showing and you posted this on LinkedIn and said, hey, this is my game design experience. This is what I was able to do. You know, I created this in Mario Maker and this is... This was the the mindset that I had creating this entire project. This is why I decided to, you know, have these different branches that the player could take and why that would be a fun experience for them. And then as you explain these things on like LinkedIn posts, that is giving people insight into, wow, you know, Jacob really is a good designer, right? I can understand that he's not just, it's not just a bullet point on his resume that says he's a designer. It's like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is exact the examples, right? No, that's, and that's something the cool I've thing seen. is, go ahead. <laughs> oh, look, I mean, that's, that's one of those things that you can do on LinkedIn. And the cool thing is like, the audience can participate in this journey for you. So for example, if you're going to say, I'm going to create a level in Mario Maker over the next month and I'm going to start from scratch. You could start posting 
about that like on day one and just talk about your journey and the, and the challenges that you're overcoming and why you're making certain decisions. And then at the end of that month, you'll have a finished product. And the cool thing is that's you're programming your audience into um, to understanding who you are as a person, one that you're self-motivated, like nobody's forcing you to do this. And that's one of the things that companies look for is like, who's, who's self-driven, right? That's, that's one of the, those, things you always see on, on a job description. So this is you proving without a doubt that you've got that. Um, two is you're allowing the audience to kind of be emotionally involved in your journey. And I, in, in my opinion, I think people love to be a part of somebody else's kind of success and kind of contribute to, to that. So if I were to see you post something this on, like this on LinkedIn, I would love to like and comment on it because I can see through your eyes the journey. It's kind of like a reality show, you know, and I want <laughs> I to be I want I want to be part of the hero's journey. And you are the hero in the story. And to see like your your progress and what are the challenges that you're able to overcome? Um, it's you know, that's something that I would love to do. And the cool thing is, like, as I participate in your journey, if I like and comment, people from my network will see your work. And that's something that gives you a lot more exposure than um, than you just kind of having to go out and, and search from people on your own. You know what I mean? Kind of you the know. difference between um, fishing and hunting is like as you post this stuff online, you're attracting people to your journey instead of you having to go out and, and trying to uh, force um, force relationships and force connections just through your own individual like uh, efforts you know what i mean so yeah. to, to see something like this like it's cool for me to see this right now awesome. but like there there's so many other people that would love to see it as well and that's why i encourage you if you haven't put something like this on linkedin yet to like start right now <laughs> yeah no self-marketing is that's something that i found to be so hard because i'm just so focused on you know making making games and trying to Im impress the people that are so you know they're close enough to me to care about the games already that you know i'm i'm not even thinking about like the linkedin posts i could be making the journey i could be telling um that's probably that's got to be like the next layer of of the design experiences is telling your story uh professionally or like in, in a professional manner to anyone that could see it, not just the people that you're applying for. That's that's really smart. Yeah, I mean, I could probably use a few more LinkedIn posts. You're right. <laughs> you know what will really help too? Telling everyone you're on the Empower Up podcast goes a long way. Oh yeah, is there a lot of cred? Well, oh, I'm yeah. still waiting for my promotional shirt. You know, if you guys don't have <laughs> it's in the mail, it's coming in the mail. Yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do you mind? Yeah. I mean, and it's it's a little bit of a tangent, um, but do you mind if I ask? You know, uh, how's the podcast been going so far? How have uh, how have the people you brought on been doing? You know, how are you? Uh, are you getting tired of each other yet? You two? <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I personally absolutely love these conversations, and the, the cool thing is, this is like a natural thing for me and Byron because we've been having these conversations for years already. And I think we came to the, the epiphany that, hey, you know, these conversations can be very valuable for other people. So why would we want to just keep this information to ourselves? I mean, just like you as a designer, like you've got so much value from your experience, right? And yeah. you having this information all in your head, that's great. But like, who are the people out in the world that could be inspired by your journey? And how can that 
be an asset to the video game development world in general, right? So like just understanding the value that you have and then saying, you know what, I can really make an impact and just putting it out in the world. That's one of those things that can help get more attention to you in general. Because uh, there's a saying that goes, you will get everything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want, right? And when you come from that mindset, it's just, it's, it's karma, right? The more good that you spread out into the world, the more will naturally just come back to you in, in, in general. So um, that's one of the reasons why I want to do this, not just um, because it, it's great information for me, but also understanding that this can help you in your career. And who knows how this, this one moment here can make an impact that will, you know, provide value years down the line. Right. Who knows? You know, maybe there's going to be a, a game designer that listens to this and then they end up having their own studio in five years. And they're like, oh, I remember Jacob from this podcast. I wonder what he's up to. <laughs> right. And, and, and but you don't know how the ripples will um, will impact people in the future. So yeah, it's just like it is, it is so cool that we have the opportunity to like, you know, share our experiences in this way. I feel like there are so many industries in the past, creative and uncreative, where there's just been, you know, this blank wall, this opaque wall that you can't see through. It feels like you're pushing through to an impossible goal. And now to hear all these people, like with, you know, the advent of technology and just like different societal norms, with like influencers or whatever, um, to, to see people sharing like their moment to moment uh, as a professional, um, it's really cool. And like having people that are smart enough to, to share those sorts of stories and to try to collect them or procure them um, like podcast hosts, you know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a really valuable um, thing. I, I just think for, for art in general, you know, even aside from just the games industry, that's so cool. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, and specifically like with this design, right. That you have here, like, I feel like game design in some disciplines can be super abstract when you're thinking about, okay, how do I improve myself or how do I improve my chances of, of visibility or getting hired or getting interviews, right? So you posting this and allowing us to share this on the podcast for people to watch on Twitch is a perfect example of how we can really spread this information and give someone like a, an actual like concrete idea of how to move forward because this is, this is awesome. I had no idea that you took the time to do stuff like this, but it's it's evident to me that why you've seen so much success just by looking at this one picture. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, I put I put a lot of elbow grease into this one. It's true. And it looks really flashy, but yeah. you know, well, look, just I've, if, I've known you for years. So I, this is just kind of a culmination, you know, like it's, it's obvious, you know, putting in the work and seeing this is, is an obvious example of that though, for sure. If there are any, um, any, you know, amateur designers or something watching that see this and think like, oh man, I'm not a programmer. I don't, I don't set up all this stuff or whatever. Um, or like, you know, he spent a whole bunch of time on this. It, it's already done. It feels abstract. Like, uh, and here's just in the background when we talk, here's like an example of playing through like the hundred percent, um, mm -hmm. of this level. Uh, honestly, there, there's so many things that I did wrong in this level that in hindsight are, are, you know, kind of, kind of painful to me. It just, the, uh, the pacing and the progression is not intuitive to the player. Um, and so, you know, I'm presenting it. I feel better than I've designed it. <laughs> if, if that's even, uh, if that's hey, even possible that, that to gets, do. That gets past the screening though in an interview. But... Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, and so that that's really, uh, it, 
you know, there's there's so much for me still to learn and and still to uh, to achieve, especially the loading of this video. That's crucial to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though, man. This this is so cool. Like, see this kind of stuff because the la I remember the last time you did this. So for uh, for reference for the guys watching or for listening, um, Jacob and I we went to San Diego State and. We used to put on this concert every year called the Electronic Music Marathon. And I remember going to one of them and seeing Jacob, like many, most people just ripped off a video from YouTube and then put music to it. But Jacob just literally had a trailer for a game he was working on. It has the music to go along with it. And I was like, okay, that's real. That's, that's original. That's really cool. <laughs> that was one of those cases of, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm a, uh... I'm completing my assignments on time, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to do the things that I'm most interested in. Um, yeah. And I before, like, if you had asked me about design like three years ago or something, I would say, oh yeah, all the time I've spent doing that has been a tremendous waste. <laughs> there's there's not much to show for it. And that was like, you know, several years into my like informal sort of design education over the years. But um, but you know, now I have like, I have some, some decently polished stuff to show. I've got, uh, I feel like, you know, it's getting at least recognized here on the podcast, recognized by my friends, like, Hey, you know, this guy, he's really, uh, he's putting in the effort. So, um, finding those passions and then pursuing them, um, and just kind of like trying to incorporate them into the things that, you know, you need to do anyway, like, okay, you know, if I'm going to be a, a 2d artist, then I've got to practice my, you know, form drawing or whatever. Um, so how about I, you know, create a character for a video game instead of just drawing a random uh, painting of someone uh, out in the wild, you know, trying to, to sculpt those um, side projects that you have to do along the way into things that uh, benefit you in the things that you want to achieve is, I think, really important. It, um, yeah, I like that. And then I've noticed like a, a core theme from the projects that you've worked on is that you didn't always, and I know we from us talking before, talking in previous conversations, you don't always enjoy every aspect of what you're working on, but you're always willing to put in the work on even the art, right? I'm sure music and the programming, that might be something that you're more willing to work on than going into uh, whatever you use to do your art. Um, so can you talk about yeah. like, yeah, so like what are the other, some of the other things like you do you sketch stuff out or is it just like using Photoshop or like GIMP or something or. Um, uh, for the, the 2d art stuff, you know, that is something that I will quite admittedly state. Uh, don't worry. The level is almost over. I'll switch tabs in a second. Um, I will quite admittedly state I have despised every second of that. <laughs> and even, <laughs> even, you know, some game jams, which are like the epitome of what I want to do with my life. I have just not enjoyed. <laughs> it happens, you know, it happens. Um, but, uh, but I thought you always kind of, enjoy doing everything creative, though. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I'm sure you can attest, Byron. Uh, there's there's some stuff that you just kind of have to eat your way through. Um, but uh, and, and I guess this is more about me being a generalist than a designer. Um, but that's certainly, um, it's it's given me perspective on the, on the different, requirements that go into to making a game entirely um like for example these uh these sketches here for the uh cards of this game mm -hmm. um i spent a whole bunch of time like researching like okay i can't draw people i'm i'm not an artist um <laughs> i i can come up with weird concepts though and i can make all of the cards of a certain type 
start with the same letter or something, you know? And uh, so I just, you know, just kind of like learning to trust that process of, okay, well, I'll just research uh, pictures of like paintings of medieval people or whatever, and then I'll trace those and I'll see what goes from there. And then um, I'll like, you know, I had the idea to incorporate like these sort of currencies of the game uh, being like weapons, these kind of strange, surreal faces and um, these crests into the art themselves and kind of like modify and just making these little improvements like, okay, it's still bad. I know it's bad, but I, I'm going to move forward anyway and try and like, you know, add the next layer of, uh, of polish and eventually something decent comes out or decent enough to show as like a side project on your portfolio, you know? Um, and so just suffering through those unfortunate moments in like the things that I really love to do, like music and the things that I am not a huge fan of, like 2D art, um, that has been a really important skill that I've had to learn, I think. Cool. Um, have you done much suffering, Steve or Byron? How's the, uh, how's the process been for you to get where you are? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I can't remember if I told you about the, the mobile games that I, that I launched in the Play Store last, at the end of last year. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, not fun. That was lots of gimp, lots of uh, making sure that the artwork makes sense, making sure that I can like duplicate the image and make it make sure it fits on both ends, uh, making sure that there's a lot of variety in the level. Like after the core gameplay and the music and stuff was done, it was just totally like super tedious. Just but it had to be done. Like it was like that last ten percent or whatever, you know, to make to polish up the game. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. How about like career wise? Is there or or Steve? Are you gonna say something? <laughs> uh, for me, like the thing is, I have like zero ability when it comes to the actual art of making video games. I'm not a programmer. I'm not a designer. I'm not an artist. But the value that I can add to a a game development team is that I can see where everybody's expertise is and I understand the value of allowing those people to to focus on the things that they're strong at. So helping a programmer focus most of their time on programming and what are the things that I can do that can allow them to to focus like that and it's things like when we were at a game jam I could help find what are the best rooms in order to so that our team could focus without being distracted you know oh, like what are things I could rooms? do <laughs> yeah like physical rooms or <laughs> yeah um, <that's... laughs> or like what does it take to to make sure that everybody's fed and making sure everybody's on the same page with regards to break times and making sure that we're all coordinated those are all things where I can add value to a team where I'm not like necessarily hands-on on the development, but I'm, I'm helping the team uh, operate better uh, as a whole instead of, you know, everybody just kind of going off and doing their own thing. And that's what I understand where I can add value. So um, that's how I built my entire 15 plus year career in video games is not focusing on the things that I can't do, but just understanding what can I do and how can that be a positive benefit to the people that I'm interacting with. If that it sounds sense. a lot like you're a designer of people here. It's a you're designer <laughs> of companies, you know? That's that's what I'm getting from this. That's my takeaways. Because you're trying to figure out, just like I, I was saying earlier, like we have the ideas and now we need to combine them together and that's a puzzle of its own. And the types of things that you're talking about, like I would never to think about what sort of room is the team going to be working in that, that surely must come from experience, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know for myself and, personally, Oh, sorry, Steve. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, 
the design process for me is, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit of a drag. You know, uh, I know that you need to plan stuff out in the beginning. I'm the kind of person where uh, I have certain things I like designing, but in terms of like game development, yeah, it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit tedious to me. But I'm starting to understand more and more, especially talking to you and talking to my designer friends, just the importance of making sure you have some of these core mechanics planned out before you just start going in and coding stuff or doing whatever else you want to do. So it's it's something I'm starting to enjoy a lot more. I just picked up a book. I can't remember the name of it, but reading more about storytelling and design and, and stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like that's one of my, my current, like, that's kind of something I'm lacking is I haven't spoken to a lot of designers, you know, I, I've, I've talked to them in passing and I've had like meetings, but I haven't like sat down and designed some stuff collaboratively, collaboratively pe with people um, in, in quite some time. And so that's certainly, um, yeah, just like, that's thing I could work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I should do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's one of the cool things that about going back to posting your stuff on LinkedIn is that you will attract the attention of people that are kind of like in the same mindset. So you're showing other designers out in the world, hey, this is what you're doing. And then you're giving other designers the opportunity to give you feedback and have like a, you know, a conversation about, oh, why would they make different decisions? And how did they come across these same problems that you're coming across? And then how did they actually implement it into the games that they make? Because like on a, on a platform like LinkedIn, you can connect with game designers from all over the world and just to get their feedback, like, and designers from the games that you absolutely have played and loved. And just to be able to have that interaction with them, like you can speak intelligently about, you know, what, you know, games that you've played and give feedback and, and give honest, like criticism and that's that's the cool thing is like just bouncing ideas and having access to people all across the world. And you started off just with you posting, hey, this is what I'm working on. Give it out to the world. And then who knows how it's going to gonna pay off in the future. Yeah, I mean, anyone who can, if you can find those communities, I know uh, IGDA or, or Game Jams, there are all sorts of channels. If you just want to be an artist, you just want to be a designer or something, um, those sorts of communities are, are so awesome. And Anytime I, I can find one, it's it's like ah, oh, it's a it's a little treasure that I've discovered, and to see like that now, you know, LinkedIn, it's just accessible to everyone. You know, that's that's the way to go. You know, talk to people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think another good one too is HIO, um, because I know right now uh, we're probably kind of in the tail end of COVID, so stuff is kind of still closed, maybe not full capacity. So if you don't feel comfortable going in person to those events or conferences, I believe HIL has a Discord server that you can also go to, and they hold game jams, I believe, every week. So that's probably another good way of getting in touch with other developers and other creatives in the industry. Definitely, yeah. And a side note is that you can use LinkedIn. You can literally do searches on designers in, in throughout, you know, throughout the world, and you can very... Um, very uh, effectively target people that you want to get in touch with. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing that you can do is look at the credits of your favorite games and use that as an opportunity to find people's names and and um, find and connect with them on LinkedIn. So that's just one of those idea. things. Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, you're li like they literally give you a list of all the people <laughs> that worked on the game, right? 
He treats you, yeah. I mean, geez. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so simple, too. Like, I've noticed on LinkedIn, it's kind of a numbers game in the sense that no one really cares whether they really know you for as um, on LinkedIn. I've noticed people are really willing to accept your request on there a lot easier than, like, let's say, Instagram or Facebook, right? That's been my experience. I actually got my current position because I reached out to someone. I wasn't um, connected to them. They accepted my request. I said, hey, I love what you guys are doing. I'd love to get in touch. And then that's literally how we got the ball rolling for how I got the job. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, yeah. Talk about the meeting of like-minded people. You're right, Steve. <laughs> Here's case in point right here. <laughs> and that's that's one of the things that I would like to kind of point out a little bit on LinkedIn is just using that as an opportunity to um, not just find the job, but also how to add value to other people's careers. Because you kind of have to think about this as every interaction that you have, you're already interviewing with them. And you have to understand, like, what's the what's the impact that you're having with every single person that you come across? And I love to give this example that you everybody has people in their life that only comes to them when they want something right? They only, hey, Jacob, would you mind helping me out? Can I borrow this? Can, can you help me out with, with this game that I'm making? And when that's the type of interaction that you have, it's, it, it's got kind of a negative connotation to it. So what you can do is just reverse engineer that and say, well, if I want to set myself, set a good example for myself, I can reach out to people and genuinely be of service. Like, how can I help you out? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with what you um, what your profession is, it can just be uh, how are you being a genuinely good human being? Like if you know an amazing sound designer and you see a post for somebody that's looking for a sound designer, you can make that connection, right? Just say, hey, I know somebody who I think would be great for this role. And then you make that connection. And then you're already like you didn't do the work yourself, but you're just recommending somebody who you think could, right? And that's the type of like, mentality where you're showing that hey i'm just here to help right you're you're not you may not be making any money off of that connection you're just being a good person right um and that's the type of thing for linkedin yeah it's it's that type of it's exactly that sort of thing where you know if adopted by so many people and i think this is why a reason that it's it's one reason that you don't see that many jerks in the gaming industry i mean there are some (laughs) but not too many you know compared to some industries it's because if all of these people are individually doing that, then it just makes this really positive, like, community industry. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's great advice. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sure. I love that. Because I know some other corners of entertainment, it's not kind of the, the same. Like, music entertainment is kind of cutthroat compared to, like, music game development. Can be brutal. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. But see... I think this is one of those things where like where understanding the importance of every interaction that you have um, is vital because your reputation gets around. And something that I've noticed about the video game industry is that it's a pretty small community. Like I've seen um, I've seen people about to get hired on, uh, but they talk with, you know, one of the team members that they they have and say, hey, you worked with this guy at a previous company. Um, we're thinking about hiring him. Should we bring him in? And they're like, no, like he was completely toxic to the team. And if you want to make everybody else here miserable, um, you know, we should probably stay away from that person. And, <laughs> yeah, and that's just one of those things. 
where you have to you have to keep that in mind and i mean that's that's part of just understanding the game of you know working professionally in uh, in video games and even aside from yeah just getting jobs or or giving jobs you know uh you can end up in a situation where you're working with people that you might have like pissed off in the past if you're a jerk you know there's a i've i've uh certainly discovered like after someone's been hired Oh, it's it's that John. I knew him from like way back in I don't know, twenty twelve or whatever. Let's see. Let me rack my mind. Like, what was our last interaction? I hope it was good. You know, uh, it was that Jacob. That's that's yeah, not the bad situation you want to be in. You know, um, that's uh, and uh, and and there's a lot of cross contamination too. You know, your company might just do like a collaboration or hire out from a different company. Um, and if you aren't, if you're a bad representative for your company for yourself. And you're not helping anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, you, you see, like, well, they call them the, the fanboys, right? Xbox and Sony, right? Those people are, <laughs> the, the the fans are like, oh, man, I hate Xbox. Oh, man, I hate PlayStation. The reality is the people that are making those consoles and making those games probably ha- hang out outside of work. <laughs> Almost certainly. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, because making the games, we understand how hard it is to get everybody on the same page and to make something of, you know, a high quality standard. And we're, for the most part, just not, it's, it's one of those things where it, we understand because it's like a brotherhood because of the community, because we're making the same sacrifices and pouring, pouring so many hours of our lives into making these, uh, these games that it, a lot of that Xbox versus PlayStation stuff, is, it's just very trivial. So, yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Cool. Well, um, unfortunately, we're almost at the hour already, if you can believe it. Um, wow. Yeah, seriously. That's what I love about these conversations. That's why it just makes so much sense for me and Steve to do these live streams, right? Um, <laughs> so are there any, like, parting words? We'll start with Jacob. Um, are there any party words or advice you'd like to give to people who are starting out in design or maybe they're considering design? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first, thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been an awesome conversation. Uh, happy to be here. Um, and I guess just if anyone is, is looking for advice, then I would say uh, the hardest, one of the hardest things that's carried me through the, the design stuff that I've done in the past is just figuring out ways to stay motivated. You know, whether that means I need to just like completely unplug for a day and like recharge or if I need to uh, remove myself from the situation and like go to a park and do sketches there or something um, or talk to people and, and, you know, trying to find, you know, energy from them. Um, that's if I didn't stay motivated, then I wouldn't have gotten to those second layers of polish that I'm talking about. And I would just be left with the base layer, which is like one kind of half finished asset or something, which never feels good, you know? And, Um, There are enough of those half-finished assets that I have lying around because I have lost motivation um, on some projects, certainly. But uh, just just figuring out ways to, you know, learning yourself to ways to make yourself productive is is really important to me. Cool. Cool. What about you, Steve? Any uh, parting words or advice? Uh, One, thank you, Jacob, so much for taking time out of your day to to have this chat with us. Um, Like, I, the reason why I, I love having you on this is because you are a cool dude, right? That was one of those things that through our years of experience that, you know, I love having these chats and that's why I want to chat with you right here um, because I know that 
like I'm being part of your journey and just understanding that I, I have a an opportunity to make a positive impact in your career. That's something that I absolutely love. So thank you so much for just taking this time and uh, for having these conversations you know, throughout these years. We're just three cool dudes chatting. Here. That's what's going on, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jacob. And, and you know, like seriously, um, thank you for a lot of stuff, honestly, because you started the club. And that really is what kept me engaged in college. And yeah. then we've been working together for so long. I think I told you the other day, you know, there was a point where I considered dropping out, but the club really was something I looked forward to every week. Then you got yeah. introduced to me to Steve and that really just kind of got the ball rolling from there. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just me with the club, you know, it's yeah, a, yeah. a whole group of people, you know, of course, of course. an existing niche. But you were the, um, you were the most important person in the club. Okay. <laughs> You could tell Barry I said that. Well, <laughs> no, I'm I'm super super glad to to have helped you in any way. If I have, you know, I I feel like I was just I was just doing you know normal college things, trying to reach out to people, trying to make friends and stuff. And so I'm happy that things have ended out how they have. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, that concludes this episode. I believe it's episode six of the Empower Up podcast. Um. So yeah, thanks for listening. All right.